We're so glad that y'all have joined us online for worship today, and we're positive that God has something specifically to speak just to you. We want you to know that you are always welcome here at First Baptist Azel, and that you can connect with us by going online to fbcazel.org forward slash connect. Now let's hop back into the sermon and hear what God has for us today. With that, would you stand with me as we read God's Word together? James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the value of these words. Their infinite wisdom for our life. And how these words in and of themselves have power to change our relationships, our outlook, and our life. Teach us today in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Today's message is entitled, How to Thrive in an Angry World. How to Thrive in an Angry World. Are you angry? If you're not, you're, you're, and you probably are, if you're not, it's only because you haven't turned on the news today. Are you angry? We live in an angry world, and it's become more angry in recent years. And so I want us to think about how you and I can behave and have peace and even thrive in a world that is so saturated with anger right now. This is an article from the Washington Post uh, from June the 30th of 2020, just a month or two ago. And just reading the Washington Post may make you angry. It's entitled, Americans are living on a big, excuse me, Americans are living in a big anger incubator. That's the title of the article. Americans are living in a big anger incubator. The article says this, and I'm going to read the whole article, just an excerpt. Americans are angry. The country erupted in the worst civil unrest in decades after the death of George Floyd and anger about police violence and the country's legacy of racism still run, is still running high. At the same time, we're dealing with anger provoked by the coronavirus pandemic, anger at public officials because they've shut down parts of our society, or anger because they aren't doing enough to cover the virus. Anger about being required to wear a mask or anger toward people who refuse to wear a mask. Anger with anyone who doesn't see things the right way, that's our way. We are living, in effect, in a big anger incubator, said Raymond Novako, a psychology professor at the University of California. So basically, everybody's mad. You're mad because you have to wear a mask. You're mad because others aren't wearing a mask. You're mad because of this or because of that. On both sides, everybody's angry. According to psychiatrist Joshua Morgenstein, the country is now dealing with three disasters superimposed on top of one another. The pandemic, the economic fallout, and civil unrest. Certainly, he says, one way of responding and a common way of responding is anger. Uh, said Morgenstein, who chairs the American Psychiatric Association's Committee on the Psychiatric Dimensions of Disaster. Did you know there's a committee for that? 
Surveys over the last few years suggested that anger had risen in the country even before the 2020 crisis. A Gallup poll conducted in 2018, two years ago, for example, concluded that Americans' stress, worry, and anger had intensified that year. 22% of Americans had felt anger the previous day, up from 17% in the previous year. So everybody's mad, and we're becoming more angry. So as we look at finding peace in an angry world today, as we consider the goal of thriving even in an angry world, I want you to keep five things in mind, five important things. These are not the points for this morning. I'm just going to list these for you. But as we look at the points from God's Word today, I want us to keep these five things in mind as we study them. Number one, five important things. Number one, anger often begins somewhere else and is transferred. Anger often exists somewhere else and is transferred. I'm happy as can be until that guy flips me off in traffic. He's transferring his anger to me. Or at least he's trying. That's a hypothetical, but you get the point. If I turn on the news, happy as can be, in five minutes I'm angry. That's transferred anger. Number two, anger needs an outlet. I don't care who you are, anger needs an outlet. And it's going to find an outlet. I don't care if you're rich or poor, or if you're from our country, or any one of hundreds of other countries in our world. I don't care what your nationality is, what your education level is, whether you're a man or a woman, young or old. If you're angry, anger needs an outlet. Number three. Anger can rule and ruin your life. Anger can rule and anger can ruin your life. Number four, anger can be resolved. Anger can be resolved. No matter what you might think, anger can be. Will it be? That's another question, but it can be resolved. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And number five, it is possible to live at peace in an angry world. It is possible to live at peace in an angry world. The truth is, the world has always been angry. And long after this pandemic is over and this election has passed, the world will still be angry. Always has been, always will be. The question is, how are you and I to live in that world? Are we to get sucked into it and pulled into the anger of the world? Or are we going to live above it? Number one, anger often begins elsewhere and is transferred. Two, anger needs an outlet. Three, anger can rule and can ruin your life. Four, anger can be resolved. And five, it is possible to live at peace in an angry world. (coughs) So today I want us to take a quick look at types of anger in the Bible. The Word of God has a great deal to say about anger, and the word anger is actually referenced 390 times throughout the Bible, nearly 400 references to anger. And so the Bible has a lot to say about it. God designed you that way, by the way. He designed you to be angry. God gets angry. Jesus became angry, and we'll look at that in a minute as well. And so anger in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's how we use it, and whether we let it rule us is the question. Um, But anger is is a part of life. It's a part of our design. 
So let's look at the types of anger, and I'll get this one out of the way right off the bat. The first type of anger we see in the Bible is righteous anger. Righteous anger. Obviously, God becomes ang- became angry in the Old Testament, and Jesus became angry in the New Testament, and God and Jesus, they are perfect. And so all of their anger is perfect. They are righteous, and so God is righteous, and so all of his anger is righteous anger. Now, not all of our anger is righteous anger, but there is such a thing as righteous anger. We may think it's righteous, but often it's not. And again, we'll talk about that. Mark chapter 3, verse 1 is an example. This is during the ministry of Christ. It says, another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. This happens to be on the Sabbath day, which was Saturday, Sabbat. Um, uh, which was their holy day. And so they had a rule. No working on Saturday. Now, these these particular rules are not necessarily God's rules. They had God's rules, but then they added all their own rules, their laws on top of that. And then they they forgot who is God's laws and who's their laws. And they elevated their laws to the same level as God's laws. And so as a result, whenever men make laws, they make dumb laws. And one of the dumb laws was if your cow falls into a ditch on Sabbat, you can take the cow out of the ditch. That's okay. But you can't heal somebody on Sunday because that on Sabbat because that's, that's a work and you can't do any work on the Sabbath. So uh, they were looking to see if he would heal this guy on the Sabbath. Verse 3, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger. Did you see that? In anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So Jesus was mad at them. He was angry at the healing of this man. Why, can you tell me, was Jesus angry? What made him so mad? Because he didn't get mad very often. We get mad every day, but Jesus didn't. Uh, What made him so angry on this occasion? All right, they're using God's law against going, uh, uh, actually it's not in God's law, they're using the law uh, to to, uh, keep from healing somebody. So that's true, but that leads to an ultimate problem. What's the problem? Yeah, they're making man's law as high as God's, but what's what's the problem here? They don't care about that man. They don't care. He's being supernaturally healed. They don't care. They don't care. What do they care about? They care about the rules. Well, I get it. I understand why Jesus was mad, and he should be mad. They didn't love people. And as we talked about, you can't love God and hate people. If you love God, you got to love others. And they didn't love others. They didn't love anybody but themselves. And so Jesus became angry. That's righteous anger. Sometimes anger is the very thing that the church needs. To become angry at the corruption of the world. 
to become angry at the forces of evil that destroy our families and erode our nation, to become angry at the millions of abortions throughout our world that are, that are occurring, to become angry because many people are dying without Christ and without hope. This week alone, this week, California is actually threatening to arrest anyone who uh, may uh, uh, tries to walk into a church for a worship service. Now, they've been fining the church leaders or the church. Now they're threatening to arrest them just for walking into a worship service. Well, that, that should make angry. And so we see righteous anger, and it is legitimate anger. And there are times where we as God's people ought to be angry, and we're not. It doesn't even bother us. God forgive us. We're children, helpless or dying by the millions, and it didn't even bother us at all. We hardly give it a second thought. That's righteous anger. It's a good anger. It's God's anger. Secondly, there is quick-tempered anger. <laughs> quick-tempered anger. Now I'm, I'm going to move to the unrighteous angers. Quick-tempered anger. While not all anger is sinful, most anger is. And quick-tempered anger is uh, um, a pandemic. <laughs> A quick-tempered, angry person is somebody who's fine as they can be. They're happy one moment, and then it doesn't, make, it doesn't take much anything to set them off. And they pop their top almost immediately. Do you know somebody like that? It just doesn't take much. One person says something to you, or you see something, or you don't like a behavior somewhere, and you go from nice guy, it's a, it's a Dr. Jekyll and a Mr. Hyde kind of thing, and you may be quick-tempered, or maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe you don't. If you don't, lucky you. If you don't know anybody like that, you're probably the one everybody's thinking about. <laughs> In Proverbs uh, chapter 14, verse 17, it says it this way. A quick-tempered man does foolish things. Amen? Amen. I, now, when I looked at that picture, I thought, my first thought was, I'd be mad too if I had a monitor that was that old. But uh, a quick-tempered man does foolish things. Do you get angry easily? Pop your top in a moment's notice. Your spiritual joy becomes bipolar. You're in good company. Many people in the Bible had that same challenge. Moses, do you remember? He popped his top, became angry on a moment's notice, and struck the rock instead of doing what he was told God judged him for that. He didn't get to enter the promised land. Jonah was mad because God didn't destroy the Ninevites. Uh, and uh, he popped his top, sat up on that hill and just mad as a hornet. Peter became angry in a, in a moment in the garden. He actually was so angry, he took out his sword and cut a guy's ear off. Balaam, if you remember, uh, got mad because his donkey laid down in the path because he saw an angel in front of them that was going to kill him. And to save their life, the donkey laid down and Balaam struck his donkey because he became angry. Now, if you're beating your donkey, you know you got an anger problem. <laughs> to be fair, I've never owned a donkey, but um, th there's a lot of anger out there. Maybe your anger and your emotions are like those characters in Disney's Inside Out animated movie, the movie called Inside Out, uh, in that movie, there are characters in there and there are emotions in, inside of each character in their brain. And these emotions apparently, according to Disney, operate like a committee. 
And uh, when anger shows up, everybody gets out of the way. Watch this brief clip. Riley from being poisoned, physically and socially. That is not really colored or shaped like a dinosaur. Hold on, guys. It's broccoli! Yeah! Well, I just saved our lives. Mm. Yeah, you're welcome. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner, you're not gonna get any dessert. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. He cares very deeply about things being fake. So that's how you wanna play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this! Ah! Right, here comes an airplane. Ah! Oh, airplane. We got an airplane, everybody. Now that's uh, a little bit silly. I wish all anger could be resolved with an airplane. Proverbs 19.19 says, A hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. A hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. There we go. (laughs) Uh, And there are consequences for our anger. Man, did you know that there's a direct connection between being constantly angry Overly competitive and aggressive and early heart disease. Research suggests that men who have poor anger management skills are more likely to suffer a heart attack before age 55 than their more emotionally controlled peers. A separate study indicated that older male subjects' hostility ratings predicted heart disease more accurately than uh, other known risk factors including cholesterol, alcohol intake, cigarette smoking, and being overweight. That is, being angry, popping your top, can kill you. It it literally. Isn't that interesting? Do you tend to lose your temper quickly? Do you do things you wish you hadn't done or say things you wish you had never said? Let's say, hypothetically, oh, I don't know, you're in Best Buy. So this is a confession, possibly. It might be hypothetical. So I go in Best Buy this week. My kids are there. And uh, we want to buy a sound bar. So we, now, here's the thing. My wife, I love Cherry. She loves Ross. She likes going Ross. And there's a Ross there in Weatherford. And uh, so I, I don't mind taking her to Ross. Now, I can't stand Ross. But... Uh, Ross is right by Best Buy. And so I often go into Best Buy and just loiter. Now, when I go into Best Buy and loiter, I can't get in the door before somebody wants to help me. And God bless them. They're very attentive. Every aisle I go on, there's somebody standing there. Can I help you? Can I help you? And I say, no, I'm just looking. No, I'm just looking. You know, when you're loitering, they're all over you. They won't leave me alone. And, uh, 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 but in this case, I actually wanted to buy something. So we go in there, we're going to buy a sound bar. And there is nobody in that department. Nobody. So we go through on our own. We find the sound bars. They're spread out all over the place. And a lot of them are actually plugged in and they have a demo mode. And you can press the demo mode to see which one you like the best. And so we did that for about 15 minutes. Still, there's nobody around. I'm looking around. Are they open? I don't know. There's nobody there. 
And so uh, uh, we found the one that we wanted. You know, again, we could hear it, and, and it was better than the other's own sale. And it was uh, $200, $199. And so that was the one. All right. So we look and look, and there's nobody. So I, I finally go, because uh, I know you can't, you know, if you grab it and head out the front door, there is one person there that will stop you, and that's the person at the front door. It's a very nice lady. She's worked there for years. And so I went up to her, and I'm sure I was overflowing with the love of Jesus when I said to her, there's nobody over there. <laughs> um, I, we need some help. She said, oh, you need some help? Okay, we'll get somebody over there. And she had somebody over there in like 20 seconds at that point. So, so uh, problem solved, right? And so uh, this young man, maybe 19 years old, he comes over there. And I said, <clears throat> you know, prominently displayed right here. And it's on sale for $1.99. I said, we want this one. He said, oh, we don't have that one. <laughs> I said, well, because a lot of times when they don't have it, they'll immediately say, but let me find you a store nearby that has it in stock. Only he didn't say that. He just said, we don't have it. I said, well, could you get on your computer? And again, I'm sure the joy of the Lord was departing at this point. I said, could you get on your computer maybe and find another store that has it? He says, oh, nobody has it. <laughs> I said, well, uh, how about we order it? He said, no, you can't order it. The company's out of them. <laughs> now, this is where it gets me because... Uh, he didn't even look it up. The reason he didn't have to look it up, I later found out, he explained to me that he, uh, another customer had come in the previous day wanting the same item, and so he had looked it all up then and realized that Best Buy didn't have these anymore. But here it is prominently displayed with the sell sign on it. And so my logic is, why, and I said to him this, why would Best Buy have an item here that it does not carry, can't get, and doesn't sell? Why? I, and then I said, and, and by the way, I wasn't cussing mad. I wasn't mean or anything, but I was pretty direct. I'm told by my children. <laughs> and so I said to him, why is that, that price tag not being removed as we speak? <laughs> That's what I said. He said, oh, okay. So he pulled it out. Uh, um, so he then says, I, I, so I don't know. I don't know. Why do they have this product that they don't sell? And so then he says, well, <clears throat> that's $1.99. He says, I have another one that's almost just like this. It's $4.99. Would you like that one? <laughs> no, I don't want a $4.99. He got one for $1.99. Why would I pick the $4.99 one? Anyway, so while we're having this discussion, I'm pulling out my phone. I see the model number, and I, I go on to Best Buy's website, and I put in that model number, and it pulls up immediately, add to cart. And I said to the guy, where it is, it says I can add it to card. He goes, oh, I guess we have it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> my children are there, and I thank God for my children. But later on, they said, Dad, you were a little hard on that guy. And so it is hard. I get it. It's hard sometimes for you and I not to pop our top. We're human. I'm human. Kids, I'm human. And so uh, now I may go back at some point and apologize to that poor guy. But uh, uh, we do that. Maybe you're somebody that's that way. You want to pop your top. You turn on the news again. In three minutes, you're ready to pop your top. That's uh, quick-tempered anger. The third kind of anger is self-righteous anger. Self-righteous anger. This anger is vengeful. 
It wishes bad things on other people. Of course, we usually define righteous anger as my anger and unrighteous anger as the other guy's anger. <laughs> That's how we often define it. That's not how the Bible defines it. The truth is, you and I are not righteous. In fact, if it were not for the grace of God, we would not, and our righteousness would be no different than anybody else's. It's not anything that we've done that makes us righteous. And so often our anger is not righteous because we think like other people think, we act like other people act, and we react like other people react. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says it this way, You have heard that it was said to people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. To judgment. This, these are the words of Christ. And Jesus says that anger is important to God. When you anger in a way that's sinful, God takes that very seriously. You and I may not, because our anger seems okay because everybody else is angry as well, and so somehow that's okay. Now we teach our children, if everybody jumped off a cliff, would you jump off too? But apparently we would. Because everybody's mad, so we get on the mad wagon, and there's a lot of anger. Myself included, we are guilty. It is the grace of God alone that covers us. Do you remember what Jesus said to the man who was at the pool? He was waiting to be healed, but uh, when the water was stirred, and they believe whoever got in the water when it was stirred by an angel, the first one in would be healed. But he couldn't get in because he was crippled. He couldn't get in the water soon enough. But Jesus asked them this odd question. He looked down at him and he said, do you want to be healed? <laughs> odd question, is it not? I'm sure the man thought, of course I want to be healed. What kind of dumb question is that? What do you think I'm here for? Of course, he said, but I can't get in the water fast enough. I think it's an important question though. Do you want to be healed? There are actually people in our world who have bad physical problems, but they don't want to be healed from their physical problems because they get lots of attention because of their ailment. It defines them. They're that person with that ailment. And everybody sends them money and, and kudos and in, words of encouragement. And they, they, they find that attention they get to be more important than being healthy. For those of you or those of us who struggle with anger, can I ask you today, do you want to be healed? Do you want to get better? You see, there are a lot of people who enjoy being angry. Of those seven deadly sins, it's the, it's the most fun. <laughs> Nothing like a little righteous indignation. And so we don't want to get better. We want to hold on to our anger and our bitterness and our grudges. For year after year after year, you have to go to God and ask yourself the question, do I really want to be healed from my anger? There is also, um, uh, lastly, persistent anger. Persist I call it persistent anger. This is anger that is all the time. A person is just always angry. It has become an interwoven part of their personality. They're that person. You know that person that's always angry all the time? You never see them smile. You never see them happy because they're, all, they're not popping their top. They're just always mad. At least the guy who pops his top feels bad later and 
then it has a happy moment. But these people are never happy because they're always angry. They're just angry, angry people. That is persistent anger. My, my grandmother would call it being honorary. She'd say, oh, that guy's honorary. That means it's always an, it's just an angry person. And here's the odd thing. A lot of times angry people don't see that as a flaw at all. They're like the character in the Marvel series, The Avengers, the Hulk. You remember that? So the Hulk is a nice guy, and then he gets mad, and then he turns into a superhero. And they ask him in one of the episodes, one of the movies, what's the secret? You know, because he gets mad at certain times. At just the right time, he gets angry, and then he becomes a superhero. And they ask him, what's your secret? He said, the secret is I'm always angry. Well, for some people, you think that's your superpower. I'll tell you, it's not your superpower. (laughs) Nobody else thinks that but you. It it is uh, just the opposite. And so there are those who have persistent anger. It stems from selfishness, ego, self-righteousness, and it is an epidemic far worse than any virus that we've ever had. One of the classic passages that deals with anger begins in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Look there with me. Ephesians 4, 26 says, In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now here's what he says to you persistent people, or for anybody becoming angry. You've got a time limit. In your marriage, with your kids or your parents, with your coworkers, your classmates, or, or relatives, or whoever it may be, there is a biblical time limit for your anger. Because, and some of you know this, your anger about something that happened this week can still keep you angry against that person 10 years from now. And some of you may be angry about something that happened with a relative or a family member, a decade ago, and you're still mad. You haven't talked to him since. Oh my goodness, God doesn't want that for you. And what kind of examples can we be? What kind of ambassadors can we be for Christ? And when we hold on to our anger like that. So he says, don't let the sun go down. You wake up tomorrow, husbands and wives, you need to get over it. You know all his dirty laundry and he knows all your dirty laundry. You know all of his flaws, and he knows all of your flaws, ladies. And you can choose to be righteously angry all the time. And, if you, and you may be right. Maybe he's a dirty dog. I don't know. Maybe she's just awful. I don't know. I, I kind of doubt it. <laughs> but the thing is, is that how you're going to spend your marriage? You're just going to be angry all the time? Listen, if you're going to be angry all the time, you don't need a spouse. <laughs> In fact... If you're angry too much, you may not have one. You may end up alone. And so this is beautiful. This directive alone says, hey, be angry. If you're going to be angry, even if you're right, when you wake up tomorrow, it's a new day. Can I challenge you to do that? Uh, So let me give you today just a few steps, and I know we're out of time, Uh, to avoid being pulled into the anger of this world. The world is angry. It always will be. But that doesn't mean that you and I have to wallow in anger all the time as well. So how can we prevent it? How can we keep from being pulled into the world's anger? Number one, acknowledge that you have a choice. Acknowledge that you have a choice. You may say to yourself, well, I just can't control my temper. Yes, you can. It just gets away from me and I can't control it. Yes, you can. You can. 
Have you ever found yourself engaged in a heated discussion with your voice getting louder and your blood beginning to boil? Then the telephone rings and you see it's the pastor and you go, hi, pastor. (laughs) You can control your anger. Now, in 28 years of being a pastor, four different churches, I can tell you, more than once I've gone to members' houses and knocked on the door. And before I even knock on the door, as I get close, I can hear the yelling. Oh, there's anger. It's seeping out through the threshold. I knock on the door. They look through that peephole, open the door. Hi, pastor. I'm not deaf. I can hear you in there. You can, you can control it. You have a choice. And so you need to, first of all, acknowledge you can choose to be angry and you can choose not to be angry. Nothing, nothing can overpower the spirit of God that's living within you. If you'll submit to the Holy Spirit, God will give you control over your anger. Number two, don't resist. That may sound odd, but look with me in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Matthew 5, 38 says this. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, do what? Turn to him the other also. I've, told, I've said this before. This has got to be one of the most difficult verses in the entire Bible. What do you mean? Give them, they, they slap me? I'm supposed to let them slap me back? I, I'm not going to get to slap them back? That's self-defense, by the way. That's assault. I can assault them. Legally, I can do that. You know, I'm amazed. I watch the videos, and you do too, on YouTube or on, online or on social media, of people in the middle of these riots and these protests, and they come up to the police officers, and they're just yelling right in the face of the police officer. I mean, they're cussing, and they're swearing, and they're te- saying terrible things about police, police officers, and they're mad. I mean, they're so angry. And these riot guys, these police officers, they're just standing there, just quiet and still. I'm, a, I'm, I'm amazed at that. It, it, they better be thankful I'm not a police officer. <laughs> I don't think I could handle that. But that's, that's, I commend them for that. I know they're trained for those moments. You got to keep your cool. And so here Jesus says, as somebody comes in and slaps you, don't, don't resist an evil person. Don't, don't get into it with them. Let it go. Turn the other cheek. Again, hard to do. Oh, that's so hard to do. But God is with you. And that means you don't have to fight every battle. You don't have to storm every hill. You don't have to force justice on everything. Most of the time, simply be resolved to turn the other cheek. Let it go. Hard to do. Third and last, remember angry people are not in control of this world. God is. Angry people are not in control of this world. God is. In Psalm chapter 37, verse 7, the psalmist says this, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger. Let me say it again. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Don't fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, don't you worry about those evil people that are so mad and so vile. God's going to take care of them. God's in control. Don't don't 
Don't fall into that. Don't be pulled into that. Don't fret. It leads only to evil, he says. These guys will be cut off. But then he says, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. In other words, you put your hope and your trust in God to take care of it. God's going to bless you. He's going to judge them, but he's going to bless you. So remember, angry people are not in control of this world. God is. Is your anger blocking you from receiving God's blessings? Is it harming your relationships, your career, your Christian witness in the world? Give it over to God today and seek his healing in your life. Pray with me. Father, forgive us for those times that we spend too much energy, effort, and time, precious time, being angry. Forgive us for those times that we're angry for the wrong things, that when, when it's time for us as your people to be angry, we don't even care. But some little tiny thing happens, and we lose our cool. Forgive us. Oh, forgive us. Help us in your spirit today to transform our relationships, that we only become angry when it's absolutely warranted. And even then, our anger doesn't last one night. Help us to forgive. Help us to move on and move forward. When we wake up the next morning, tomorrow morning, it's a new day. And Father, whatever anger there is in our heart, whatever anxiety there is, whatever issues there are with other people, let us forgive them as you have forgiven us. Let us let it go. Help us to let it go. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Do you know of somebody in your life, a relationship, a relative, neighbor, or whoever it may be, that you're angry with. You've been angry for a while. Can I challenge you right now to let it go? Let it go. Don't have any bitterness in your heart toward them. If they've done you a terrible injustice, and some of them may have, God will take care of that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to worry about that. God will take care of it. Trust, trust that God will take care of that. Your part is to forgive them. My part is to forgive them. And I pray and hope they forgive us. It may be somebody in your life, somebody that you know, their life is being wrecked by anger. And you want to come up and kneel and pray for them on the steps. Maybe you want to come up and kneel and pray for this world. It is so angry. How about God's people coming before God and say, God, would you be a balm on this anger? Would you calm the anger of our nation? Would you stand? No one's looking around. And as you stand and as you pray, this invitation is for you. This opportunity is for you. Maybe you want to come and pray for someone. Maybe right where you are, you want to lift your own anger issues up to God and say, God, would you heal me? I need to be healed. I have anger in my life. Will you heal me? It may be that God has called you to join with this fellowship. You or your family. And you want to come down and say, Pastor, we'd like to join. We'd like to serve here. Or maybe you want to surrender your life to Christ. You want to become a candidate for baptism. Just come down and say, Pastor, I want to be baptized. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. As we pray, no one's looking around. This invitation is for you right now.
you come. Well, thanks for joining us today online for our worship service. We hope that you are ministered and encouraged to while you're with us. And we just want to remind you that you can connect with us online by going to fbcazel.org forward slash connect. We hope to see you again next week.